Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton along with my co-host, Dr. Brian Goff and Dr. Jenna Lejeune. Hi, you two. Hey, team. You know, um, we always say at the beginning of this podcast that we we like to do this because we want to normalize conversations around mental health and normalize conversations about being. But it occurred to me, and I think Jenna as well, that we never actually talked about what is therapy? Right. Yeah. Why do people do it? <laughs> what? When do you know how to access a therapist? So I hope you don't mind just answering a few questions about therapy and everything, especially behind the type of therapy that you two practice. Yeah. Sure. It, it actually is really... Kind of difficult, I think, being on on you know the one side of the therapy couch. I just sort of assume that people will know how to be good consumers of therapy and all of that. But of course, I've been on the other side of the therapy couch as well, even just kind of recently in my life. And I was reminded of, oh, like it's hard to figure out how do you find a good therapist? How do you how do you sort of help structure therapy so it's what you want it to be? How do you even know if it'd be useful to go to therapy? And if it's hard for me as a therapist to know how to do those things for myself, yeah. of course it's hard for other people. I think the mental health system in particular is very difficult because we're trained as consumers of our own bodies that when something is sick or you've gotten a car accident, you know to go to the ER, you know it's an orthopedic surgeon who will repair your leg. You kind of know how to compare and contrast what they do or how many surgeries they've done. We're not given those same skills no. as consumers in a mental health world. No. no. And the providers of mental health services, uh, there's not as much internal consistency as there are in some other uh, profession. So let's just start at the very beginning. When do you think that people should consider seeking out therapy? Um, so my bias with this is... Um, my hope would be that people don't seek out therapy only when they're having a really, really hard time. So the times in my life that I have sought out therapy, oftentimes that, oftentimes that has been precipitated by some difficulty, um, but not always. So if it's a time when you feel like you're in transition, where you want to learn something new or grow in a different way about yourself, um, when you're just kind of... Uh, you know, uh, like I said, in a transition in time, those are great times to go see a therapist. Doesn't have to be long term, but to simply speak with somebody about you know what you're going through, um, and then absolutely in times where you're really struggling in in some way, um, you know. So often we let things get really, really bad before we seek help. And I would just hope that people could think of accessing mental health resources, whether that's a therapist or a counselor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, um, early on. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about how great it would be for married couples to go to counseling when things were going great yeah. so that they could develop the trust that you need to actually work through the difficult times. Because if your first experience in therapy is where you're pitted against one another, attempting to try to find out who's wrong, yeah. it's not going to be successful. I mean, we tend, mm -hmm. when we tend our gardens, uh, 
more than just like, okay, well, now the weeds are taller than everything else. I suppose that we should get in there before <laughs> right. everything dies. Yeah. Right. I mean, we go out there and we fertilize, we water, we like pick little things that shouldn't be growing there and working on it. But that's not the bar that most people have when they think about therapy or couples therapy or something like that. Mm-hmm. I want to understand why there is um, a belief system that says, I don't need a therapist. Like, for instance, if you wanted to learn the skill of basketball, you wouldn't think twice about getting a basketball coach. <laughs> what What do you think is behind this idea of like, well, I don't need a therapist? Well, I mean, if you need a if if you say I'd like to learn more about basketball, I want a basketball coach. You're not having to buy into some story or some notion that something is horribly wrong with you, or that you're broken, or that you have to get away from. This is about enhancement. I mean, think of it like: Do I need to go see a surgeon? No. Could I go see a naturopath? Yeah, uh-huh. sure. I don't yeah. want to just survive. I want to thrive. Right. Right. Or do I want to go see? Do I need to go to an orthopedic surgeon? No. Do I? maybe would have uh, um, um, go get some physical therapy because my arm doesn't move the way it used to or it sort of like gets a little hinky at a spot or do I want to get a trainer at the gym because uh, my workouts are getting boring Mm -hmm. and I feel like I've plateaued and I want to go a little bit further in whatever it is I'm pursuing. We have that kind of flexibility when it comes to those those assistants, I guess I'd call them, that don't necessitate us saying that there's something broken and wrong. In the mental health world, so oftentimes people feel like they have to reach some threshold of, I'm broken and I'm wrong, so I guess I have to go to a therapist. It's an admission of being bad. Yeah, even just the language that we use, like mentally ill, like we Mm -hmm. have this sense of, okay, there are these people who are mentally ill, and then you have to go to the specialist to get over your mental illness, and that specialist is a shrink of some sort, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's not at all the position that Brian and I come from. It's simply... You know, sometimes it is useful to go see somebody who has expertise in human behavior, which is what a psychologist is, or, you know, I have, I'm an expert in human behavior. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's useful to be able to go and talk to that person when you're stuck in your life, um, when you're really having a hard time, or when you have a particular area where you're wanting to make progress or movement in. So I do want that that leads me to the next question about the different kinds of therapy. I think one of the most disappointing things is when you finally find a therapist who's covered on your plan and then you sit with them for five minutes and you realize, oh, this is not the person for me at all. It's like yeah. the worst speed date ever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's beneficial to talk about what kind of therapist what they do, yeah. and what the different specialties are. Yeah. Well, okay, so first I would like to say I think it's extremely important that people feel empowered to be good um, uh, uh, advocates and consumers for themselves with their therapist. Um, so I almost always encourage people, oh, if, if I'm the first therapist you've ever talked to on the phone, you should call some other therapists. You can make an initial appointment with several therapists and say, hey, I'm just trying this out. Can we meet for one time and see how that goes? Um, have a sense of what you're looking for rather than have the therapist just tell you, well, here's what you need. Yeah. So all of those things uh, I think are very, very important. Mm-hmm. And 
then there are all different kinds of therapists, right? So yeah. the kind that you see on television <laughs> where you're laying on the couch and you're in therapy every week for the next 10 years of your life, that's one particular kind of therapy. It tends to be out of um, a psychoanalytic tradition. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, Brian and I do a type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, and it tends to be much more focused on helping people um, be with their internal experience, their thoughts, feelings, sensations, and then moving towards what is most meaningful and important in their life to develop something we call psychological flexibility. Um, what I would say, what I always encourage people to do is that you um, ask your therapist, what's what's the evidence for why this would be helpful for me? Mm, um, that's a great question. Yeah, I think that's a pretty yeah. important one. Any other questions, no, I think, Brian? Yeah, I think the... Jenna summed it up great. Um, I think the how do you see what the goal of therapy is mm -hmm. is a great question. What is the evidence that supports this type of therapy that you're doing? Um, and I also think that a little tiny bit of time in the saddle, you mentioned sort of speed dating, like <laughs> a little time in the saddle with somebody and you'll get a vibe for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are lots of people who can say, uh, I do this type of work, but it's not like therapists are quote unquote board certified for the type of therapy <laughs> that they're doing. Yeah. You can go to a workshop, learn a little something about a particular type of therapy and then add it to your website of the 15 different sorts of therapy that you do. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're an expert in any one of them. And then there's also just like the human kind of thing. Like Jenna and I, if you listen to this podcast, Jenna and I approach um, our work very similarly, but we have a very different voice from each other. Mm -hmm. And so somebody is going to vibe more with one particular therapist than another and sort of feel like, oh, this person sees me. And, yeah. and yep. this is somebody that I could feel really comfortable having conversations with. Yeah. Unlike the president, where you probably shouldn't vote for because we want to have a beer with them, with the therapist, you may very well. You know, <laughs> um, I, I, I want to explain what goes on in therapy, especially and you can just speak to the type of therapy you do, Jenna. Sure. Um, how much of it is history taking, understanding a person's past and or how much it is. Let's actually just dig right in on what, what you're suffering from or how how yeah. in the way in which you're suffering right now. Yeah. Um, well, I should say I'm doing a new structure to my therapy in the last year or so, very different than I have done for most of my career. Um, and I'm really, really loving it. Uh, so these days I'm doing a time-limited and focused structure to my therapy. So when somebody comes in, uh, we'll meet in the first session and I'll get a sense of, you know, who they are and what they're coming in with. Not a ton of history. Um, I have them fill out a bunch of paperwork, so I get that info ahead. And then after the first session, they leave with um, quite an extensive homework assignment to start writing about what they might want to focus on in therapy. They come back the second session, and we decide if this kind of feels like the thing we want to work on together, and then how long we'll work together. So I see people for 
anywhere from a few sessions to up to three months, but we're really just focused on one theme or topic in their life. And then they can kind of go away. They already have a relationship with me. And if something else comes up in their life that they want to do another piece of work, then they can come back in and we can kind of work on that piece of work. So wow. that's a little bit different than I used to work. Yeah. And, and do you find that people tend to have more success in the traditional way where they can say, wow, I really got to what I wanted to quickly. And and are your clients giving you feedback that they're enjoying it as much as you are? Well, it's a, uh, you know, it's a select sample. So there are, you know, the people who are coming to see me are looking for that, for that particular, kind of therapy. I get it. Yeah. And yeah. in my own personal life, I've had times when I've wanted more open-ended therapy and that's what's been helpful. Yeah. And then there have been times when I've wanted more intensive, like I really want to dive into this and I want to do it hard for the next two months and I don't want to be in therapy Got forever. It. Yeah. 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 Brian, if you could say um, the the age at which you think people should start beginning to learn these tools for psychological flexibility, actually speak with a person who's certified, who actually has a little bit of um, this kind of wisdom in terms of shaping their mind and how they view the world, what age would you say that begins? Oh, my gosh. I've never really thought about that. I It would be terrific if... Outside of therapy, if uh, something about perspective taking and relationship to thoughts and emotional intelligence, uh, sort of emotional coaching, were classes that were taught in elementary school. Yeah. As soon as you become verbal. That's what I think, too. As soon as you become verbal would be great. Yeah. It's going to look a lot different, and that doesn't mean that somebody who's, you know, six years old should come start talking to a therapist about their feelings, but... But learning about kind of what are these things that I'm feeling, how does it show up in my body, what sorts of, um, you know, what is my mind doing and is that really helpful? What do I really love? Um, What's important to me? Those kinds of things seem like conversations that could be woven into, um, I don't know, any age. And especially as a parent, if you actually want to start guiding them in the same way you guide them through gymnastics lessons, like asking these questions of them, how they're viewing their thoughts, how they're, you know, I mean, I think it'd be really extraordinary to be raised in an experience like that. I just want to talk about some of the misconceptions. First of all, um, do you talk about your clients? To who? Yeah. To To one another. Oh, to other therapists? Yeah. I have, um, so I'm, I'm married to uh, also a therapist. Yeah. And so the way that it works for us is when I'm having a consultation with him as a colleague, he and I will be very clear about that. And I'll say, I need to talk to you. I need a consult on oh, this. Okay. And I will do that always keeping um, identifying information out. But then I'm also a human being who has a job and like all of us like to go home to our partner and, you know, say, oh, it was like this today. Right. And so when I'm going home and just sort of, you you know, blown off steam with him. I don't talk specifically about clients. I talk about kind of my own experience of, oh, I just felt really off today. Or oh, I interesting. Quite. Yeah. So uh, that's how we do it. Brian, what house. about you? Everybody to everyone. All the time. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram. No, um, no, I, it's really the same thing. I don't talk about my clients uh, outside of consultation, although I think in the most generic sense, sort of stripping away anything that would be identifiable. If I have um, a particularly difficult 
day or a particularly difficult session, I might tell um, someone very close to me or another therapist friend of mine, like, oh, that was so challenging or mm. I struggled so much with getting over the hump on this thing. Or if I just had this this session that just like everything really clicked and I'm reminded, God, this is why I love mm -hmm. my job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so lucky to swim in the deep end of the pool with people mm -hmm. on the stuff in their life. I love it. Okay. Like, that kind of enthusiasm, I will share that with people closest to me or, or colleagues. Mm -hmm. But the flip side must also be true that on those days when you feel like we broke through and there was this amazing growth that I got to witness when one of your clients in particular, because you deal so much with suicidal people, dies by suicide, do you take it personally? Take it personally. Well, I should say, um, in my, I too have had some changes in my career. There was a period of time, uh, now almost a dozen years ago, where virtually everybody that I worked with was chronically suicidal, uh, engaged in self-harm behavior, and so forth. I worked at a specialty clinic. In the last dozen years or so, my practice is uh, pretty generalized. Oh, so good. I work with lots of people who um, are depressed, but also people who are wrestling with anxiety and then changes in their life and transitions and feeling like they're kind of adrift. Um, so all sorts of things. I don't. I wouldn't say that my my practice is exclusively about suicidality. When there are really really tough outcomes. Mm -hmm. And, and in the past when there have been, it's only happened a few times where there have been really, really tough outcomes like the one you mentioned. Um, taking it personally as a human being, working with another human being, realizing that this isn't client and therapist, this is like person and person, it's painful. It's mm -hmm. so, so painful and it's tragic. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about that other than to say yeah, that hurts. But how do you accept that hurt? envelop it and then let it go so that you can keep helping other people. Yeah. I, hmm. You know, if I can focus on, if I can focus on being present and being authentic and being as, um, skilled as I can be at what I'm doing. And I look at the process and what I showed up with. Um, it allows me to be a little bit divorced from the outcome, mm -hmm. at least in terms of responsibility. It still is painful and it's tragic, but I don't think in any way, shape or form that if I do my job, I'm going to have fantastic outcomes all the time with people or right. people are going to get, otherwise we would just shut down all of our research centers that are developing new and innovative treatments. We haven't figured it all out. Sure. Um, so if I can focus on being as skillful as I can be, then my attention can be on bringing my whole self and my attention and what I know uh, to bear on what I'm doing. And um, as, as best I can do that, then that improves the likelihood of having a good outcome. Yeah. Jenna, you were talking earlier about... Um a lot of people are resistant to change. It's it's kind of who we are as humans yeah, that we yeah. we we like things to be the same. We don't. We're want not to... dead right now, and so don't change anything. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that is it. that's exactly right. <laughs> but in order to grow psychologically and develop this kind of yeah. uh, flexibility, you talk about you have to be open to change. Yeah. How how do you get people to shift just 
that much of a click to be able to say, mm-hmm. in order for you to actually get along at work, to have a good relationship, to maybe get a raise, you're going to need to do these things. Yeah, I um, I use uh, definitely the the carrot, or I call it the stinky cheese approach, because um, <laughs> carrots aren't all that great. You know, let's let's be frank. Cheese, you know, like really Ooh, really yeah, good pungent. Uh, you yeah. know, you're being you have to be a, right. you have to be yeah. a cheese lover to love right. that. Yeah. But so you can, we know that you can get any animal to change their behavior. Humans are just kind of more complicated critters, right? Through essentially one of two ways. If you have the rat and you're trying to get it to go to the one end of the maze, you can shock the rat and the rat will move away from the shock, right? And so a lot of therapy is about if you don't change this thing, you're never going to blah, blah, blah. And it's just going to go downhill and it's going to get worse and blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of that, what we call aversive control strategy, right? Yeah. And I, um, well, first of all, it just fits my personality better, but it also um, happens to uh, be supported by the data, which is really awesome. Uh, I use what I call the stinky cheese approach, which is if you put a big hunk, a stinky cheese at the end of the maze where you want that rat to go, that rat, no matter what, is just going to constantly be kind of sniffing out where that stinky cheese is. They're just going to go there, right? Mm. And so my job is not to force them to like, now you have to make these changes. My job is to help them get in contact with what their stinky cheese would be. Because mm. as soon as their stinky cheese is in the room, and from an act perspective, what Brian and I um, practice, we call that values. As soon as what would really, really matter to you most in this world is in the room, you're going to start moving towards it. Wow. So that's actually my job. Wow. So yeah. you're just redirecting them in terms of what they truly, truly desire, what they I'm love helping, deeply, what they what it, they care about in yeah, the world. I'm helping mm. them get in contact with that and explore it because our culture is one that is much more oriented around the shocks. It's about yeah. fear. It's about you're broken. It's about you have to fix this. And so we don't even give, for example, our kids a chance to really know, like, what is, what would be the most meaningful or important way for you to live? That's the stinky cheese part. Yeah. And if I can help my clients do that, they're going to just cruise in that direction. Yeah, yeah most, Fantastic. I think this is probably true for you, Jenna, but most people come into my office saying, um, I want, I want to experience less of this thing. Right, right. I want to stop doing this. Right. I want to quit doing that. I'm doing this thing way too much. I got to knock that off. I got to get more of this because otherwise this terrible thing is going to mm-hmm, happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think we're a lot more in this, the stinky cheese uh, <laughs> idea is instead of focusing on what you got to stop doing and what you got to quit doing and you got to have less of, what do you want more of? Mm, beautiful. And, and then... You know, the rest of it sort of kind of sorts itself out. I'm going to end on that because I honestly, I can't imagine after hearing this that anybody would be afraid of therapy. (laughs) 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 I think we've done what we wanted to do today. Brian Goff and Jenna Lejeune, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.